Very well. I'll bide my time. And as for you, my fine lady, it's true, I can't attend you here and now as I'd like. But just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Tiana. And this is Next Door Villain. A podcast where we uncover the villains to discover their humanity. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Next Door Villain Podcast. My name is Tiana. And I am Joe. And I hope you've been listening to our other episodes as well so that you already know our names. Um... Because that would be great. Because <laughs> I feel a little redundant saying my name each time, but it's just like my natural state is to like introduce myself. Right. But also one thing I realized is we actually introduce ourselves already in the intro sequence. So it's like a double in they they hear us introduce each other twice every episode. And it's also funny because we're different genders, so it's easier for people to tell us apart. But I know that when I listen to some other podcasts with people who like the same gender, I it takes a long time to be like, okay, that voice is this person, that voice is that person. But I highly doubt that anyone listening right now has any doubt of which one is which. Right. <laughs> oh man, we've really diverged from the podcast here. Yes. Also, because I just have a lot on my mind about names. But today we are going to talk about... A villain who... Actually, a, a villain who has no name. Or had no name. Mm-hmm. She was given one later, which which we'll discuss. But initially, was only known by the moniker, the Wicked Witch of the West. Wicked Witch of the West. It's convenient that she's from the West, so that there's some nice alliteration going on there. <laughs> so Yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West. Or three dubs, as I right. like to call her. In our notes, it says <laughs> www, like to shorten it. Yeah. Now, one thing I, I learned while we were researching this is that she really is a pretty legit villain. So much so that the American Film Institute ranked her as the number four top villain of all time on their list of movie villains, which is pretty incredible because there are some pretty terrible villains out there. Right. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that she's so iconic. She, you know, has the classic hat and the classic, like, um, flying around on a broom. And it continues on with our pop culture of seeing how a witch should or can be seen. And I think... It was also the first time that the villain was covered all in green skin to show like a different type of human. It also helps you know that she comes from a pretty iconic movie, a classic, of course, Wizard of Oz, which was stunning in 1939, 2019. It was still cool. Yeah, I don't know. I I went to rewatch this film before we did this episode, and I I was honestly pretty bored. (laughs) Right. Like I know I know this is an American treasure, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I was I was looking for some iconic witch scenes and she just wasn't in it as much as I wanted to right. or wanted her to be. Right. You can probably watch all of the skits where the witch is shown pretty quickly. 
which also goes into one of our points about perspective, which we'll cover soon. But yeah. Yeah. But before we jump into that, let's let's do a little character intro here. I've done this so many times, still can't remember to prepare with the timer in front of me before we record. Yep. And if you're new to the podcast, what we like to do at the beginning of every episode is give you a brief 30-second introduction. We come up with it off the top of our head, and we each do our own intro, and we, we compete to see who can do a better job introducing the character. Mm-hmm. And... If you want to have a little bit of fun, you can go on to Twitter or Instagram at NextDoorVillain, and you can vote after you listen to this episode and let us know who did a better job. All right, Joe, it's your turn. All right. Okay, three, two, one, go. The Wicked Witch of the West is a character that was originally introduced in um, a novel by Frank L. Baum. Um, I think it was called The Wizard of Oz. And... <laughs> Most popularly, she is uh, seen in the film The Wizard of Oz from the early 1900s, where she is this green witch with a pointy nose, and she cackles, and she's trying to be... Oh my gosh. Be what? Be what? I don't remember. I don't know either. (laughs) That was like the shortest 30 seconds I've ever experienced. I know. All right, you're up in three, two, one, go. All right, so the Wicked, of the, Witch, the Wicked Witch of the West has a sister called the Wicked Witch of the East, I think. I think that's the direction. And she was hit by a house, and she died. And then her shoes, she needed the red slippers, and, but, and they came from her sister. But then they disappeared and went on Dorothy's feet. Oh, my gosh. And now she's really upset and wants to enact vengeance um, to get her shoes back um, by Dorothy and all of her little weirdo friends that she meets along the way time's up not a strong week for us intro wise yeah well luckily i feel like this is one of the ones where an intro is least needed yeah i mean this who hasn't seen the wizard of oz like who doesn't know this story right well i will give you a cultural check because it's basically people who grew up in america know this movie Oh, other yeah, people okay. around the world, you know, they have other pop culture um, and other classic movies. So, like, my boyfriend, Chinese National, when I first said Wizard of Oz, he was like, what's that, a, a type of syrup? I, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I uh, never, or I rarely think about that, but it's, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Like, what we experience here in the U.S. is not necessarily what the other billions of people in the world experience right and i feel like americans sometimes need a more of a reality check about that because there are too many times when i've witnessed an american go up to someone well i i advise international students so i witness this more often than others and they're like oh you watch the show right <laughs> and they're like no and they're like what do you live under a rock no they're just they just live in a different country it, Mm-hmm. Of course, some U.S. pop culture and other pop culture will kind of go across borders sometimes. Like, for example, that The Vampire Diaries has done for some weird reason. <laughs> um, but but other than that, you know, it's, yeah, perspective. A great show, by the way, Vampire Diaries. Yeah. I was really into that show for a while. That's all aside the point. Because <laughs> yes. um, we're, so we're here to talk the about... Witch of the West. <laughs> yes. So one thing, like, I kind of want to get out of the way right from the start is that this is a character who is 
most well-known for her appearance in The Wizard of Oz, but she has made appearances in other very popular media Mm -hmm. over the years. Television series, other movies. Most notably, though, is the book and then musical Wicked, which basically tells the story of The Wizard of Oz from the perspective of the Wicked Witch of the West. And it tells her entire backstory and what happened when she grew up. And it really does a great job of empathizing with her and leading us to understand how she became who she is today. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we both were a little bit unclear whether or not we should really consider Wicked as part of the canon of the Wicked Witch of the West. Right, because the Wicked has a part of Wizard of Oz of that storyline in it, uh, but then it takes a different route with the ending. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we do characters that are from different adaptations of the same story or are in different stories as well, it's always hard to figure out what to go off of. And I think we should kind of focus on The Wizard of Oz first and then also maybe mm-hmm. take in some aspect of Wicked as well. And Wicked is still helpful because it, it's. I don't think it's really... A canon, I think it's more of like an adaptation, but it helps to empathize with the Wicked Witch of the West. And we can't deny it because it does a lot of the work for us. And if you haven't read the synopsis of Wicked before or listened to the music or I don't know if, you know, if you have the opportunity to see the musical, you know, go right ahead. But um, mm-hmm. I like us focusing on the movie Wizard of Oz because... One, I haven't read the book, <laughs> and that's and that's probably more quote unquote canon. And two, it's it challenges us to empathize with someone in a story that doesn't showcase the witch's perspective very well. And it's also the mode in which people know the most about people. The majority, we could argue, the majority of people know about Wizard of Oz, the movie. Yep. So we're gonna spend most of this episode talking about. The Wizard of Oz um, and the Wicked Witch in that context, but we are going to talk about Wicked and that storyline as well. Because even though it's not necessarily canon, it does at the very least offer us a perspective and a way to consider um, how to empathize with the witch. Indeed. Of course, as you mentioned, the difficulty with, with focusing on the Wizard of Oz is that the movie doesn't give us a whole lot to go off of. And I also have not read the original book, but... From what I've read about the book, it sounds like she is even less of a role in that story. So I think the movie, as little as it gives us, still gives us more than than, than the original text did. Mm-hmm. And one of the unfortunate parts of The Wizard of Oz is that I think you've noticed this too, that she looks evil or she looks stereotypically evil. So that also mm-hmm. kind of makes people automatically assume that yeah. she's evil. <laughs> right. So what what's interesting to me is that the first time that we meet her, we know very little about her. Dorothy has just landed in the Land of Oz. She is accidentally killed, the Wicked Witch of the East. Uh, and then she runs into this these mysterious people in this mysterious land that she knows nothing about. 
And then we are just expected to take their word that these other witches are evil. Mm -hmm. The Wicked Witch of the West and the witch that died. When in reality, at this point, we have no context to understand if that information is accurate. The Munchkins um, and and the the Good Witch, they very well could be evil, but we don't have any information. and, And we assume that the Wicked Witch of the West is evil because they say she's evil. And because then she shows up and she exhibits all of these stereotypically evil traits she's green and so she's different and she has a pointy nose and she's not conventionally pretty and she has a creaky voice and it just plays off all these stereotypes Mm -hmm. yeah and i would say that there's not a whole lot of evidence hard evidence that she's evil in the beginning when they say that she's evil because she just seems more upset that her sister was killed and more upset that she doesn't have shoes that belong in her family because they belonged to her sister, the Wicked Witch of the East. She looks quote unquote crazy to people. And I think as humans, just in general, like in real life, we have to be careful about kind of assuming someone is quote unquote crazy without a whole lot of evidence. We have to be careful about assuming people are a certain way when there's not a whole lot of evidence for it. For example, like I've witnessed where someone thought another person was really mean, but honestly, they just have a case of resting bitch face RBF. (laughs) They actually aren't mean, (laughs) but this person like would kind of be like, oh, she's kind of, you know, and it it, it spreads along this bad reputation and it's, it's just not good. On one hand, I can understand why Dorothy and the others are like seeing her this way, but it's not completely a great thing to do because there's not a lot of hard evidence of her evilness especially in the beginning, in the beginning mostly. Yeah, I fall into that trap a lot mm-hmm. where my inclination a lot of times when I meet new people is is to make assumptions about them based on the way they initially look and the way they initially act, mm-hmm. which I know that I shouldn't do. And so I, I very actively you know, try to go out of my way to fight those initial reactions that I have because I, I know that it's that we need to give people an opportunity to present themselves and, and and to for us to try to understand them and what their intentions are without making assumptions, especially based on appearances. Because what's that thing we're always told as a child? Don't judge a book by its cover. Right. You know, I feel like I'm a very intuitive person, but I have been wrong before. I've met someone and been like, I'm not going to get along with them. Our personalities don't match at all. And then a few weeks later, they became my best friend. Yeah, I've been wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been wrong so many times. Uh, but what we have to do is not act on those initial assumptions. Give people a chance. Uh, the other thing about her appearance that, that kind of makes me a little uncomfortable is the the stereotype about witches. And she very much plays up a lot of kind of witchy stereotypes in, in the way that she looks and the way that she acts. The director of the film was clearly trying to make her scary. And in contrast, Gilda the Good Witch... Glinda, I think. Oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. Glinda the Good Witch does not exhibit stereotypes of a witch. She's very pretty. She almost looks like a stereotypical princess. (laughs) And I don't know. I just There's something about this that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because of the history that we have in... The U.S. and I, I think in in England as well, though I don't know their history as well, of 
what we do to people that we perceive as witches. Like I, I live in New England, and so I visited uh, Salem, where where the the famous witch trials took place, and that was such a tragic event in history. And it's almost shocking and sad the way that we still to this day associate witches with crazy evil women when that's such a stain on our history that we treated people that we killed people for exhibiting those those traits whether they were realistic or caused by i don't know something some kind of manic issue going on it's complicated we don't know fully exactly what happened necessarily but a combination of a lot of things and yeah i think too like women you know in in history have just been looked at as evil if they exhibit certain qualities i think the wicked witch of the west is a good example of how you can act loud and defiant and angry when you are probably rightfully angry and then be called evil mm-hmm. and i think she's a good metaphor for that even though i I, I doubt that's what she was meant for initially. Right. And same thing with beauty. There's a lot of beauty stuff going on there too, where all throughout history, you know, and, and I, I don't deny that men have also needed to care about this too, to a certain extent, but it's, it's ingrained in me to know that if I don't look beautiful, even if I think that um, is kind of bullshit, you know, subconsciously, I know that if I don't put on makeup that day, if I don't have a smaller nose, if I don't look pretty, I'm not going to be taken seriously as a woman and as a quote unquote, probably a nice person. Um, Or, you know, or people might view me differently. And I think the Wicked Witch of the West also has some of that symbolism as well, where she has a big nose, she's green, she's not what you would call um, standard beautiful and i think that also fuels the characters in looking at her in that way and looking at her as evil yeah so i mean really kind of uh the overarching thing that we're saying here is that it's it's not appropriate necessarily for us to assume that she's evil based on the information we're given when we first meet her and just the fact that she doesn't look like what we typically expect from nice reasonable decent people that's not fair Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand, she does do some evil things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is true. Later on, like we're bashing the fact of how they see her in the beginning, but later on, yes, I can't deny that there are some, you know, objectively evil things, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it, it, it seems like she's probably in, enslaved a group of people in the West where she rules because uh, all the people that work for her are very happy when Dorothy kills her. They feel free. The whole movie, she's trying to take out Dorothy and this little dog for a pair of shoes. Yeah, so objectively evil. On the other hand, it's not hard to kind of start to build a case for her if we consider the story from her perspective. If you're the witch, this girl has shown up out of nowhere and dropped a house on your sister. And now your sister is dead. And so she shows up to her sister and she's like oh my sister's dead now i'm gonna get these ruby red slippers that i don't know for all we know they are these sentimental valuable slippers and then glinda and they should probably belong in the family yeah because oh for sure it's the you know yeah anywho go on (laughs) yeah and then glinda just gives them to dorothy (laughs) the person that killed her sister (laughs) 
And I don't know, like imagine how mad mm-hmm. that, that that might make you. Yeah. And I don't know, you could say that the Wicked Witch of the West is just evil, but you could also say that she's grieving and that we we all express grief in different ways. And just because she's not able to share her sad emotions doesn't mean she's not feeling them. My therapist has told me this over and over and over again, that oftentimes our emotions overpower our logical actions. And maybe in this case, the witch is so sad about her sister and these shoes represent that relationship and that connection to her family that she no longer has. And she's overtaken by emotions to try to get those shoes back. I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch, but it's also plausible. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I could certainly see that, um, and that's an interesting perspective because I, I wouldn't have thought of that. But, and you know, I was laughing because, yeah, from her perspective, it does seem pretty ridiculous to watch someone steal something for you, but I'm going to take it in more of a simple way that the lady uh. just wants her damn shoes back. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's just like, just give her the damn shoes. Technically, they belong to her. This is theft. So, like, if you're mad at her taking Toto and stealing Dorothy, well, just give her the shoes. I mean, a few months ago, my boyfriend's bike was stolen off our balcony on the second floor. And we were just like, what? Can't we just ambush this person? No, but we we don't even know who did it. But, you know, it's just, this is theft, man. Like, come on. I What? Yeah. Yeah. And... Once again, and, and we say this in a lot of episodes, I think what we're saying here is not necessarily the truth, mm-hmm. right? We don't we don't know exactly, and we probably will never know exactly what was going on in the Wicked Witch's mind and what she was experiencing. But empathy is about that ability to be creative and that ability to imagine someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's not true, that is the way that we can start to empathize with people is to imagine that their experience might be different than ours. That's the goal, right? to be able to have that kind of imagination so that we can connect with people better, even when they're acting in ways that we don't fully understand or agree with. Because I can see it where, like I said, that she wants her shoes, but I can also see that, you know, she says in the movie that she wants to have power with those shoes too. Mm-hmm. How do we know it's bad power? I guess we'll never really know. Yeah. There's not necessarily anything wrong with wanting to be powerful. And in fact, I mean, back to your point earlier about women specifically and and, and the way that women have to act in order to be seen as, as reasonable, decent people. When a woman wants power, we often think of her as, as like crazy and, and power hungry and mean. Whereas when men want power, we think of them as ambitious and heroic you know, and so there's kind of that double standard yeah. at play. That's funny that you said that because when I, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but when I was um, Googling some stuff about the Wicked Witch of the West, I saw, I would see like Hillary Clinton's face on the Wicked Witch of the West's face, like photoshopped onto mm. it. And I was like, oh, why am I surprised? And I'm not, I'm not supporting or not supporting Hillary Clinton when I say this comment. I'm just saying like, this is what I saw to further your point. Donald Trump's face was never photoshopped onto the Wicked Witch of the West. Right. And to go on with her perspective, too, why, from the witch's perspective, she doesn't like Dorothy? One, because, like, Dorothy is out to, like, 
defeat her. And the Dorothy just kind of took word from the Wizard of Oz, like, oh, she's evil and she needs to be stopped. And she just kind of was like, okay, without doing any research and was like, I will stop. Like as if some kind of pawn, like meddling in like state affairs. <laughs> and it, I don't know. And I can see that like, that, that, that would be kind of annoying. Like if I were the Wicked Witch of the West, you don't, you don't even know this guy. You're not even from here. She doesn't even go here. I don't like, <laughs> wh- who are you? <laughs> Why do you have water? Why are you going to kill me? I don't, yeah, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perspective. Yeah. Dorothy is the newcomer. And if anything, the people of Oz should be wary of her. Right. Because what's she going to do? I guess she did some Come nice in things. and kill the one of the rulers in the land. That's true. I guess she did oversee a part of the land. The west, the western part of land. Yeah. <laughs> and... Well, actually, so Dorothy showed up and killed the ruler in the east and the west. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she Rambo? Is she like... Oh, man. Is she like the uh, Alexander which, the Conqueror? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we... Yeah, because of how the story is told, we assume that she is good, but like, I don't know. Just imagine that someone just shows up and just like, who has no business being there, no knowledge of of what's going on, and just like, I don't know, it just kills two out of, what, four of the leaders? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where the other witches are, but... The North and the South, yeah. the other good witches, I believe. Right. And then I kept thinking to myself, do they have like a wicked counterpart? I don't know. Anywho, that that's beside the point. Um, this movie is interesting because it has such a good contrast. When you first watch it, you're like, oh, it has a very clear contrast between good and evil. Like the mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz has such strict, like they are evil, period. They are good, period. It's literally in their name. Yeah. Well, that's probably one of the reasons why she is the number four villain on the AFI Mm -hmm. 100 top villains list. According to the Wizard of Oz movie, from Dorothy's perspective, she is 110% for sure, Mm -hmm. never a doubt in the mind, evil. But we can still use perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so, so rarely in the world are things so black and white, like that there's good and there's evil. I think about my own life and the things that I do and and especially sometimes in my relationships where I I think about times when I have done things that have hurt someone else, where I was completely doing things that like I thought at the time was the right thing to do. And I, I, I made intentional, thoughtful actions to try to do something positive. And still in the end, it ended up hurting someone else. Mm. And so, you know, in that situation, it's like, I don't know, there's like, yes, I did something wrong, but my intentions were not malicious. And from an outside perspective, you could look at that and say, oh, this person hurt that person. So this person is the the good person and this person is the villain. But in reality, it's so much more complicated. And that's how life and the world is so often. And, and to make any assumptions about strict good versus evil is to forget or to ignore the fact that life and emotions and actions are so complicated. Mm-hmm. And even when people do like conflict mediation training, they talk a lot about how there's always 
so many different sides to the story that you have to watch out for who you're calling the villain in that story. And it might not be either. It might be both. It might be a combination. And no one is completely good or bad, um, which just makes things hard sometimes, but Mm -hmm. also better sometimes too. Long story short. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Should we talk briefly about Wicked? Yes. So Wicked um, was a book that then was turned into a musical, which tells the story of the Wicked Witch of the West while she was growing up and then through time that the Wizard of Oz takes place. And they give her a name, Alphaba, which is um, just a fun little trivia fact, was created, I believe, using the letters from Frank L. Baum's name as kind of like a tribute to him. Interesting. I'll remember that on my next trivia night and hope that they ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we like Wicked too because it does a lot of the work of showing empathy for the Wicked Witch of the West very, very well because it shows her whole story and all of that. Um, But we're not going to go too deep into it. Basically, there was just a part in it that kind of struck me and... Elphaba kind of develops this reputation of being wicked throughout her life because she ends up being framed as wicked. (laughs) Wicked. She is also kind of against the Wizard of Oz regime because he wants to take power away from animals. He's discriminatory against animals. The love of her life was um, tortured under his regime. Basically, she is against him and because of that he basically framed her as wicked and then there's a moment in wicked when she kind of accepts this title i think just because she had had enough and so if she was going to be called wicked then she better live up to it and be a ruthless person to go against others who try to who try to take her down so this hmm, when i was reading the wikipedia i was like huh I don't know, this this part really struck with me. And in a way to kind of relate to her, I thought about this idea, like, are there moments in your life when you are kind of given a certain reputation? And so, and maybe at first you didn't really want that reputation or you're not too fond of it. It's kind of a weird characteristic that you have. Then eventually you accept it because for various reasons, maybe you just are tired of fighting against being seen as something maybe you're just so angry that you end up living up to that reputation it's i think a lot of different characteristics can be applied and i don't know do you have an example joe yeah definitely and maybe this is a little bit more like uh minuscule than, than you were looking for but for me a lot of times in my life but specifically lately with with someone that i i know I, I misinterpreted uh, where I like I find myself doing things that just aren't coming across the way that I I meant them to or like saying things that just aren't being understood and I think maybe a part of it is just that me and, and this friend uh, just think very differently but she often misinterprets me and then then labels me as like emotionless for example mm. and to me I'm like, Oh, I'm not emotionless. I have so many emotions. I just don't know how to communicate them. And I find that I'm often then feeling like, oh, well, if you're just, if that's all you're, if you're just going to call me that, if you're just going to say that I don't have any emotions, then I might as well not have any, Hmm. which I know is, is not 
a good way to approach it, but but it can be difficult and frustrating when, when people try to label you as something that you know you're not. I understand that sometimes my actions come across that way, but I don't know. Yeah, so I, I can totally connect with that, mm-hmm. I, I think. What about you? Yeah, mine is a little more lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can probably think of more examples than this, but the first one that came to my mind was like when I was in high school, my... Eyes just in the way that I cut my vibe just kind of seems like I'm high, like on marijuana. And... <laughs> I, I would say I would say that maybe that didn't completely leave you in high school. Right, right. See, because you probably do you feel that way in college? It's OK if you do. I feel that way sometimes now. Sometimes we're <laughs> recording uh, for this podcast and I'm like, is Tiana a little high right now? Yeah. And what's so funny is that I don't smoke weed. I don't at all. A lot of it's because it makes me anxious um, or it just doesn't sit well with me. Plus, I've always joked that, well, I already seem high. So what would be the point <laughs> in actually being uh-huh. high? And and also when I was in high school, I didn't take care of my contacts completely well. So like my <laughs> eyes would also look red and people would be like, are you high? So I guess I didn't give into that reputation and the idea of that, like, I don't get high or anything. But sometimes I just give into it as I'm this person who kind of comes across as sometimes a little bit chill, sometimes a little bit too much in her own world, sometimes spacey. spacey. Um, Sometimes people can take that as dumb, that I'm stupid. Mm which really sucks when that happens, but it has. And I don't mean it. Like, I I don't even catch myself doing it, but I've just felt myself kind of accepting it. I think just to, like, you know, being angry about it isn't really going to fix anything. So I might as well just take a joke and, like, be like, yeah, I am spacey, you know, and, and accept that reality. And, you know, sometimes it comes across as funny. So I guess I can use that to my advantage in some ways. But that that was just like an example, you know. I think it also stems from the fact that I'm like an only child. So I had a lot of time to myself just daydreaming all the time and being in my own world. And it slips. I slip really easily into that. And I just accept it even if... But then, but then, sorry, I'm ranting a lot, but there are times when I'm not in my own world and I don't think I'm acting spacey, but people still think I'm spacey. Yeah. And I just have to accept that sometimes. Right. Yeah. It, it's so frustrating when people label you as something that you know you're not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's hard because mm-hmm. you want to defend yourself, but you don't want to come across as overly defensive. So like you either kind of have to embrace it or, or give into it. Otherwise you kind of look... Bad. Right. And you look like you're no fun because you can't take a joke. Ha yeah. ha. You're a comedian. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. 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 I think this was just wow, a good this, exercise. Yeah. This uh honestly I was like when we when we went to start this episode, I was like, I don't know that we're gonna have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this episode has been more introspective than just about any that we've done so far, which has, has been very interesting. It also helps that I drank a bunch of Diet Coke before we did this. So <laughs> I'm on, on some caffeine, which helps. Well, well, let's let's end on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, hopefully. <laughs> maybe we'll just get introspective again. Pour out our feelings. Yeah. Feelings. See, um, you are really emotional, Joe. <laughs> 
Yeah, I am, but it's a long story. Anyways, <laughs> so if you don't know already, The Wizard of Oz, uh, a big part of the story is that, that there are a number of characters who feel like they're missing something, uh, and they're going to the wizard to try to get it. So the lion needs courage and the tin man needs a heart and the straw man needs brains uh dorothy needs to go home uh i, go thought, home, dorothy. I thought it might be <laughs> i thought it might be kind of fun uh, to ask first what is it that the witch might want or need uh and then what is it that we might want or need if we were heading to the wizard mm, okay i'll go first with the witch you know because our episode is kind of pro witch in a way, <laughs> I didn't want to say too much, you know, because I think she has a lot, actually. Um, but I think she just needed some more people on her side who was willing to, like, I think people on her side. She had some flying monkeys. Okay, it's a good start. But I guess I guess this isn't equality. My other one is equality, sorry. But this is what I thought of. More mm-hmm. people on her side. People who could protect her from, who could see her perspective. Who could also protect her from water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know things like that. Uh huh. I'm kind of along the same lines. I, I I kind of feel like what the witch needs is care. It seems like there's not really anyone on her team. She doesn't really, as far as we can tell, have anyone to connect with. Maybe she connected with her sister, the Wicked Witch of the East, but now she's dead, so she really doesn't have anyone. And so I I think maybe she needs a friend. Maybe she just needs a second pair of shoes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. What do What do you need? Uh, if you yeah. If you If you were going to the wizard, what would you ask for? So I actually have a rock right here that says it. I'm going to show oh. it to you. For our listeners at home, uh, Tiana <laughs> has picked up a a rock off of her desk <laughs> and inscribed on the top of the stone. It says trust. I need trust real bad. Trust, wait, tr- trust for for you or or for you to have trust, trust in other people. Well, trust in other people and trust in the universe in general. Mm. That things will go well, and most most of the time they do. So I kind of sound like an asshole for saying this, um, because <laughs> I'm sure there are other people out there who do not have things go as well for them as they do for me, because I have a lot of privilege and all that jazz um but like i think like from a career aspect some like at work like there are just days a lot more days than you can imagine where something goes kind of wrong and that could be Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons like the software shuts down the we get told some unfortunate news we uh this thing this task that should be fairly easy to do suddenly is actually very extremely hard for reasons that are beyond my control what else just like also random things in life too like i'll help someone okay this is what you do you go to the bank you tell them this in my experience when i've done this with the bank it's worked but then i tell that person to do it and then the bank doesn't cooperate or you know like little things like that and so I feel like I've I need more trust because I I keep losing trust in that like things will kind of go smoothly and things will go well, just kind of in general. Oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. How about you? So I I tried to think of an original one, but the one thing that kept 
popping up in my mind was courage. But I, I think I'm thinking of courage a little bit differently than the lion. Uh, it seems like the lion was mostly just scared. But I think the courage that I feel like I need in my life is like the courage to do the things that I want to do because I want to do them and not to feel embarrassed about them and not to feel like I need to compromise the things I want to do because I want other people to like me and the courage to speak up when I have a strong opinion about something or to speak up when I have an opinion that conflicts or I'm worried that people aren't going to like what I have to say. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel like a lot of people feel that too. I feel like yeah. every person in the world feels that <laughs> in some <laughs> in some ways. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much for our fun little end of the episode <laughs> activity. Like, Let's do a fun thing. And then it becomes dramatic. Yeah. Well, hey, if you're listening at home and you want to share what you need, we may even send you back some kind of inspirational uh, message in the style of the wizard when he tells the, the lion and the straw man, the tin man, that, that they had it in them all along, basically. <laughs> That's how we can so, end this on a nice note. Joe, you have that in you all along. <laughs> Courage. Yeah. And I think that you can trust people you just need to trust them <laughs> thanks good talk i don't know anyways send us an email tweet at us uh dm us on instagram slide right in there at next door villain share with us what you feel like you need in your life and we will send you an inspiring message back and then i'll also send a version of that in the way that the wicked witch of the west would say it too so both both versions <laughs> <laughs> Oz version Wicked Witch version Yeah, great Yeah, we'll lift you up and tear you right back down <laughs> Hey, you, you might be surprised Yeah, no, that's, yeah We're joking, obviously We love to hear from you Yep Did we already say nextdoorvillain at gmail.com? Oh, yeah No, uh, no, we did Nextdoorvillain at gmail.com is our email And nextdoorvillain is our handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook This... Uh, episode was produced by Joe Anderson and Christiana slash Tiana Hennis. Thanks for listening. Thanks.